Welcome to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We're excited you've joined us as we hear what God has to say to us through Scripture and this message from Pastor Paul. So people in general, but men in particular, are prone to worship money and power. Oftentimes, what's underlying that is a motivating idol, if you will, because we want control, we want success, we want status, we want comfort, we want security, we want people to think highly of us. Money and power can help us achieve those pursuits, and what happens is it's not always pretty. You may be well-known, but not well-loved. You may be very rich, but not very generous. People may fear you, but they don't really know you. People may talk about you, but they're not in a relationship with you. Well, there's a guy like that in the Bible. He was very rich, very powerful, and his name is Zacchaeus. And today you're going to see him meet Jesus, and you're going to see how his life changes. And today we want to thank Luke, because without Luke's gospel, you would not know the story of Zacchaeus And you wouldn't know his song. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Okay. Next week we'll do it in a round. It'll be great. You just learn. Here's the story from Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. What you might not know is that Jesus is passing through Jericho because he's on his way to Jerusalem. He's been in the north, he's been in Galilee, and he is making his way down to Jerusalem for the last time where he's going to die on the cross in our place for our sins. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, He could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So, here's some of what we know about Zacchaeus. We learn that he's very wealthy. He's very powerful. He's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. Let me explain what that means. So, at this point, the Roman government has come in and taken over God's people and is ruling over them. And so what the Romans would do would take some of those Jewish people and set them up as tax collectors for the godless Roman government, set them up taking Jewish people to be tax collectors of their own people. These people were considered traitors. That was the view by their fellow Jews. These were the worst of the worst. They betrayed their own nation. They betrayed their own God. They betrayed their own family in order to become a tax collector. And so the way they took and collected taxes was this. You would collect money for the Roman government. They said this is how much each person was, was supposed to pay. And then whatever you could muster more to line your pockets with, that's what you took home. So... The tax collector's job was basically extortion. Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector. He is a chief tax collector. He's a very powerful man. He's bankrupting people, 
defaulting on their loans, seizing people's property. This is a guy with private jets and vacation homes and a staff to serve him. He eats only the finest of foods, drinks the finest of wines. He lives life like a god. All the while, he's seizing homes and assets and cars and taking people's retirement accounts and college funds for their kids. That's who this guy is. Now, let me say this. Sometimes actions are legal but sinful. You see, what Zacchaeus is doing is not illegal, but it is sinful. It may be acceptable in the eyes of the government, but it's not acceptable in the eyes of God. And this is important for you and I to know that we are to submit to the government. That's biblical, Romans 13. But beyond submitting to the government, there are the laws of God. And the laws of God will say that some things are sinful that are deemed legal in the eyes of the government. Adultery. It's not illegal, but it's sinful. Gossiping is not illegal, but it's sinful. Coveting is not illegal, but it's sinful. So let's say, for example, you have a three-year-old child, and they are disobeying the Bible. They're dishonoring their mother and father. They're throwing food at dinner, and they keep saying, no, no. I mean, these are just horrible small people. And as a parent, you can't dial a certain number and hear on the other end, 911, what's your emergency? Well, my child is disobeying the Bible and he's being disrespectful to me. I need you to send the police with a taser immediately. <laughs> they will say, among other things, this is not an emergency because it's not illegal. It's sinful. And sometimes you and I get away with things in the eyes of the government that we could not get away with in the eyes of God. So we need to take our morality beyond the law to the law of God. And here what Zacchaeus is doing is not illegal, but it is sinful. You couldn't call the police on him, but God is going to deal with him. And here he is, Jesus Christ. Okay, so what do we know about this man from the text? He's very rich, he's very powerful, and he's very little. I kind of picture Danny DeVito with a long robe. <laughs> I need you to see him. I want you to see this guy. He really wants to see Jesus. Now, we're not told why, but maybe Zacchaeus was there in the story that right before this, Luke records Jesus on the outskirts of Jericho, before he even enters the town, he heals a blind man. Maybe Zacchaeus was there to see that. Or maybe he at least heard about it. He's got to lay eyes on this person that everyone's talking about. And so he does something that no man was supposed to do in that day and time. He runs. He does what a respectable, dignified businessman would not do. He runs and he climbs a tree because he's too short to see over the crowd. And then as Jesus is passing by, the question is, what's Jesus going to do with Zacchaeus? How will he respond? What's he going to do? 
this is where it gets interesting because Zacchaeus' name literally translates to the righteous one or pure one. And everybody else would have thought, uh-uh, not him. There's no way Zacchaeus is a righteous and pure one. His name betrays his character, so they're going to want to see what's going on. As Jesus comes to that tree, but what they're going to see is that Jesus changes everything. And by grace through faith, he is going to make Zacchaeus a righteous man. So you've got to see him, Zacchaeus, up in the tree. Think of somebody who is short, older, well-dressed, rich man up in a tree, right? Now Jesus comes by. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. There's a sense of urgency. So Jesus looks up in the tree, and kind of a funny moment, this huge crowd that's been following Jesus all of a sudden comes to this stop right at this tree. And they wonder, what's going on? Why are we stopped? I mean, we did that just outside the town with the blind beggar, and now we're stopped again. I mean, if this were us on, on 74 driving through Monroe and all of a sudden the car stopped in front of you, look, the light's green, what's going on? Won't you try to swerve out of your lane just enough to, to strain to see what's ahead? Why are we stopped? What's happening? And then Jesus, what He does next is amazing. He looks up in the tree and He calls Zacchaeus by name. That's a wonderful moment. Those of you who are Christian, Jesus called you. He called you by name. Yes, there are billions of people on the earth, but the Bible says He knows your name. He knows every day of your life. He knows every hair on your head. And for some of you, that's not a lot of work. But He knows them all. He knows these things. And Jesus still calls by name. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, let me say this. Perhaps Jesus is calling your name. He's calling you unto Himself. He's calling you to know Him. And when Jesus calls Zacchaeus, He calls him into a friendship openly, publicly. And He says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Now, this might seem rude at first, Jesus has invited himself over to Zacchaeus' home, and it's not just Jesus. Chances are it's the 12, hey, Zacchaeus, the 13 of us are coming, and we like to eat. Here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is telling Zacchaeus, I want to be your friend. Because going to someone's house and having a meal with them was in that culture, as it is in ours, an act of friendship. Now, how many people do you think had gone to Zacchaeus' house for dinner? Not a lot. He eats very well, alone most of the time. Furthermore, Jesus does this in front of a crowd, and He's telling everyone, Zacchaeus is, as of this moment, my friend. I'm going to go to his house And we're going to eat 
a meal together. I love Zacchaeus. It's amazing, isn't it? And that's what Jesus does for sinners. He calls us by name. He invites us to a friendship. In John 15, Jesus says he's our friend. Don't overlook this. Jesus is Lord, God, Savior, King, and friend. You see, Jesus is a person we get to know. Jesus is alive, and He wants to have a meal with you. He wants to speak with you. He wants to help you. He's God and our friend. How wonderful it is that God would become a man, that He would invite His enemies to be His friends and be willing to eat and spend time with them, with us. And through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, never leave us nor forsake us. And that's exactly what's happening here for Zacchaeus. Now, there are two responses to this. There is Zacchaeus' response, and there's going to be the crowd's response. We're going to hear those next. So, verses 6 and 7 of Luke 19. So, what did Zacchaeus do? What's his response? He came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse 7, the crowd's response, but all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Two responses. Zacchaeus' response is, yes, Lord. I'd love to be your friend. You want to eat with me? Let's go right now. Zacchaeus is really glad that Jesus cares for him. And so he receives the love, the grace, the mercy of Jesus Christ. The crowd, on the other hand, not so joyful. What are they? Well, they're not tweeting, yay, Zacchaeus got saved. What are they doing? They're, they're muttering. They're grumbling. This means they're talking about Zacchaeus, and they're talking about Jesus. They're gossiping and grumbling. And friends, let me say this. This is common whenever God's grace is poured out. People grumble. Sometimes they're questioning the leadership of a church or the leadership of a ministry. Should they love those people? Should they be so kind and accommodating? That's just not acceptable. What do the people say? He's a sinner. Do you hear the smug religious undertone in that? What they're saying is, we're better than he is. What they're saying is, well, of course God loves us. I mean, look how lovable we are. Of course God is going to forgive us. But Zacchaeus? The key, friends, is to know this. In the sight of God, we are all guilty. That God would call any of us, love any of us, forgive any of us, well, that's a miracle in itself. And at any point that we struggle for God to love and seek and save someone, we are saying, I deserve salvation, they don't. And the moment we've said that, we have dismissed the gospel of grace altogether. But here's the underlying problem with those who are grumbling. I bet they're thinking about all that's now going to happen. Jesus is going to forgive this guy and all the evil and atrocity and injustice that he has done and is going to get swept under the rug. There will be no justice. So here's the key. 
Here's what happens when Jesus comes into Zacchaeus' life. It's a little equation. Repentance plus restitution equals rejoicing. Repentance plus restitution equals rejoicing. Here's how it gets played out in the story, beginning back at verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half my possessions to the poor. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, again, that's Jesus' designation for himself out of the Old Testament book of Daniel. For the son of man, Jesus is saying, I came to seek and to save the lost. What does Zacchaeus, how does he refer to Jesus? What title does he use? Lord. You know what that means? He's now becoming a Christian. Jesus Christ is his Lord. Here's what happens. Zacchaeus is guilty. Look, he is guilty. And Jesus forgives him. And those who are present grumble. That's not fair. Now, the truth is this. Jesus not only forgives people, he changes them. So here Zacchaeus indicates that he's coming into his saving faith in Jesus Christ. He calls him Lord. In that day, with a Roman government hanging over you, Caesar is Lord. That's not what Zacchaeus believes anymore. He has changed allegiances. No longer is Caesar my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. It's the shortest declaration of faith in the Bible. Jesus is Lord. That means above all people, above all kings, above all kingdoms, Jesus Christ above all, our creator God, our savior and our friend. And he looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, again, that indicates something has changed in his heart and his allegiance. He now serves Jesus. He now belongs to Jesus. He now knows Jesus. He now loves Jesus above all. And Jesus forgives him, and that changes everything. You see, Christianity is not do whatever you want, and God will forgive you. Keep doing whatever you want, and God will just keep forgiving you. Christianity is you do what you want, you meet Jesus, you realize that what you are doing is sinful, wicked, you realize that in fact He is Lord. You don't want to continue sinning because something happens deep in you. You change. The Bible calls it being born again, that you become a new person. So you now have a new power through the Holy Spirit. You have a new Lord in Jesus. You have a new authority in Scripture. You have a new nature that has new desires. You don't want to keep living the way you used to. You want to change. You want to be different. You want to be like Jesus. Not so that He'll love you, because He already does. Not because He forgives you, because He already has. Not so that God would be pleased with you, but because God has already called you His friend. So the result of all this is not religion, it's rejoicing. 
Zacchaeus here repents. He publicly in front of a crowd acknowledges, yes, I have sinned, and then repentance happens. Let me explain repentance. There is Jesus, and there is sin. And you can only go in one direction at a time. Sin is when you turn your back on Jesus, and you just keep walking in towards sin. Repentance is literally doing a 180. It's making a turn back to sin, face toward Jesus. And you begin walking more closely with Him. It's the simplest understanding. That's repentance. You've had your back on Jesus and your face towards sin. You turn. Now your back is on sin and your face is toward Jesus. And it culminates in restitution. In the past, Zacchaeus has not helped the poor. He's defrauded others, and immediately, what does he do? He becomes a brand new person, and something he's never done before, he publicly confesses his sin, he publicly practices repentance, and it also, he guarantees restitution. Now, let me say what restitution is not. Restitution is not penance. Penance is the false teaching that you have to do something in order to pay God back or pay somebody else back in order to get forgiveness. That's not true. It is not that you have to pay off a debt to be forgiven. What Zacchaeus is promising to do has nothing to do with trying to be forgiven. Instead, it's evidence that he already has received God's forgiveness. Let me say it this way. God forgives you. What if you've really harmed other people? Well, your new nature, your new heart as a new person should be to right your wrongs, to help those you've harmed, to pay back those you've ripped off, not so that you'd be accepted by God, but because Jesus has called you a friend and you want to be a friend to others. That's what restitution is. And so he says publicly, for my sins of omission, not helping the poor, I'm going to give half of all my assets. And then he says, regarding those I've cheated, I'm going to repay you fourfold. That's restitution. So it's not enough to receive the grace of God. We have to be agents of the grace of God to move through us onto others. Zacchaeus realizes, God has been so generous to me, I can't help but want to be generous to others. Because he just met the most generous person in the history of the world, Jesus Christ. Jesus is generous. And what, what did he just give Zacchaeus? Forgiveness of sin, eternal life, a new nature. What did it cost Zacchaeus? Nothing. Zacchaeus just got the gift of salvation, and that generosity changed him, and he became a generous man. You see, our God is a giver. The greatest gift that's ever been given is the gift that in this story, Jesus is on His way to Jerusalem to give. He's going to die in your place. He's going to die in my place for our sins as our substitute, canceling our debt, 
giving us forgiveness of sins, new nature, new desires, new life, new Lord, new community, new eternity. Zacchaeus just met the giver of every good and perfect gift, and he knows that his sins are forgiven. But he is immediately practicing discipleship. He wants to be like his teacher. Well, if Jesus is going to be giving, then I need to be giving. I want to be generous because Jesus was generous with me. And here we see Jesus really is Zacchaeus' Lord because he's willing to let go of his false idols, his false gods of money and power, and he's willing to let go of the things because Jesus is his Lord. Throughout the Gospels, more of Jesus' parables deal with Wealth, money, possession, status than any other subject. And I want you to see that God loves both, the rich and the poor. That God saves both the rich and the poor. And in the kingdom of God and in the church of Jesus Christ, God loves all people. We're all sinners. We all sin in different ways, but we all need to come to know the same Savior. So it doesn't matter how you got here. You could have gotten here off of a bicycle. You could have been dropped off by a limo. We're all the same. Jesus loves you. He calls you by name. He invites you into friendship. He wants you to turn toward Him. Trust Him. Repent. So Jesus says to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your house. Let me make that invitation to you. Today, salvation could come to your house. If you receive Jesus as your Savior and your friend, He said at the end of this story, for the Son of Man, speaking to Himself, came to seek and to save the lost. Maybe some of you in this room feel lost. Maybe you are lost. And Jesus today has come to seek and save you and to call you by name. But I guarantee you there are people outside these walls who are lost. And He's wanting to call them. We are the agents of God's grace to other people. To give them the gift of God in Jesus Christ. We hope you found this message to be encouraging. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and at bhprez.org for more information.